Welcome back to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. I'm Ashley Miltite. For our season finale, we're taking you into the future with this driving question. How will our lives change when electric cars become the new normal? When this building was built, automobiles were first coming into the world, and they were still occupying the streets with horses and carriages and pedestrians, uh, etc. Marshall Brown is an urban designer and architect. He's sitting in his office, which is exactly the kind of place you'd imagine a hip urban designer and architect would work. It's a renovated 1920s landmark building on the south side of Chicago with cascading concrete pillars and windows brightening the open floor plan. When I look outside now, out onto State Street, which is an important street in the city of Chicago, what I see are broad expanses of asphalt. Uh, I see sidewalks. I see curbs. I don't see a lot of pedestrians. I see spaces that are dedicated almost entirely to automobiles uh, and or ways of keeping pedestrians safe from automobiles. Looking ahead 20 years, streets could look very differently from the way they do now. Not only will streets look different, but they'll sound different too. They'll even smell different. Because even just 20 or 30 years from now, gas-powered cars could be a thing of the past. A recent Morgan Stanley report predicted that by 2050, over 1 billion electric vehicles will be on the road. If that doesn't shock you enough, try thinking about it this way. Today, electric vehicles make up 1% of global car sales. By 2050, that number will rise to almost 90%. So what's causing such a rapid shift in the auto industry? And what effects will it have? Besides what we fill our cars up with at the gas station, what else will change? Will we even have gas stations? So again, if you go back 100 years, when was the last time you saw a horse stable in the middle of your city? These things used to be everywhere, right? But we don't need them anymore. And so maybe there's one somewhere in a park or maybe your police department has some horses. But otherwise, you don't see horse stables around anymore. I'm not so sure that the gas station or the fueling station, has a bright future. And if it does, it's not going to be in the same form that we see today. As an architect and urban planner, Marshall Brown is always looking ahead. He has to think about how people will get around in the future in order to start building for it today. Electric vehicles, cars that you plug in and charge in order to drive them, they play a big part in his new designs. Sure. I mean, electrification has some really interesting impacts for urban space as well. Because, for example, an electric car uh, doesn't make a lot of noise and it doesn't spew exhaust. That means it can come indoors, which is a big change, right? A machine that doesn't spew exhaust and uh, doesn't make a lot of noise can suddenly come inside. And so there are some architects uh, and designers who are looking at, for example, grocery stores or buildings where you can actually just bring your car right in. There are already some buildings coming online, high-end condominium buildings, where you can just bring your car straight into an elevator and right up and inside of your unit. That has some interesting impacts on the way that we think about um, the way that the world works. If you have a car with zero emissions, one that's clean enough to bring into your home, why not use it for even more outdoor activities? If you didn't have to feel guilty for polluting while behind the wheel, what else would you do with your car? 
the drive-in theater, the drive-in restaurant, these things seem really retro, right? Uh, we look at movies from the 1950s or watching old episodes of the television show Happy Days, and you kind of see these things. But I think that actually um, these kinds of activities could see a, a really interesting revival. And I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing because I think that those are some... Uh, very special and unique kinds of civic spaces, which uh, our culture has been the leader in in innovating and expanding. So I think that would be uh, an exciting uh, revival or maybe even a step forward. Maybe we invent some new kinds of social spaces that haven't been imagined yet around uh, mobility. Electric cars, or EVs as they say in the industry, they could impact what we do together, But for EV current drivers, they're already changing personal daily routines. So for me, I tend to uh, wake up in the morning, you know, go to the office. I unplug at home. Uh, I get to the office after my commute and plug in at the office if I need to. This is Simon Lonsdale. He's the chief strategy officer at ChargePoint, the largest electric vehicle charging company in the world. We design, develop, make and sell EV charging equipment. ChargePoint has about 42,000 commercial charging stations worldwide, and that's not including ones at home. You know, I keep hearing and saying phrases like charging your car, and it still feels foreign, comical even. But Simon says it's really not all that different from fueling up with gas. The place that you plug in, the plug looks very much like a, like an enlarged power socket that you plug in at home, and it's normally behind a, a fueling filler cap just like you would for your gas car. So you you pop open the filler cap on the side or on the front of the car. You you take the nozzle uh, with the connector on it uh, from the station and uh, you just plug it straight into your car and then walk away. I'm not the only one who's a bit sceptical about electric cars. ChargePoint's been around for 10 years and Simon still gets the same kinds of questions and concerns from clients. The misconceptions are really, the first question I always get is the range anxiety question, which is how long is it going to take me to charge up? And and that's really down to the fact that because you're able to top up, uh, it's it's not something that, that you, you worry about. So it's very much like your cell phone, right? You get to work or you get home and you plug it in. You don't wait for the cell phone to, to blink and say, I'm, I'm dead, I'm dead, fill me up, like we do in a, in a gasoline car. So with a, an EV you tend to plug in where you are. And then you think about it when you're on a long journey. And right now it's about 30 minutes to to fully recharge um, these longer range cars. Uh, And that's going to reduce down to 15 minutes. The other question that you get is, um, you know, people that that don't know anything about EVs think that they are, you know, maybe uh, not like a real car. They don't don't accelerate as fast, uh, which is completely the opposite because an electric motor has maximum torque at zero uh, they actually for around town driving and for you know the driving that we're all allowed to do within the speed limit they're, they're the most fun vehicles that are out there they're, they're much more uh, sprightly and accelerate much harder and they're just great to drive very maneuverable and, and quiet cars. So, the, the, you know, the, the, the electric vehicle replacing the current combustion engine infrastructure will be no dissimilar in scale and, and total impact than the invention of the motor vehicle to replace the horse and cart. This is Harold Hendricks, an equity manager at Morgan Stanley. He was involved in On the Charge, a new research project all about electric vehicles. 
He's obviously deeply immersed in the subject, with a knack for reciting statistics faster than the time it takes to charge your EV car. Cars globally is only 1.2 billion cars. You know, we have that fleet growing to almost 2 billion. As an analyst, when Harold looks into the future, he's not just looking at the technological advancements that will bring about this change. There are a lot of factors and sectors that influence this shift. And one of the biggest influences comes from our governments. So we've had a lot of uh, emission legislation coming through, basically on the back of the Paris uh, Agreement from 2015, which means that uh, overall CO2 emissions um, from vehicles have to be uh, reduced very significantly. And now so significantly that the engine that your car is currently driving is no longer going to be able to meet those emission targets and, and therefore... Um, Most major uh, global car companies uh, are changing strategy towards an electric powertrain uh, strategy. If you're not a car owner and don't know what powertrain means... (laughs) Powertrain is basically what drives the car. So it's uh, the engine, the transmission, uh, and then all the linkages uh, in between. Across the globe, countries are setting goals to lower our CO2 emissions, which is pushing the auto industry to explore fueling options other than gas. The way those goals will be reached varies depending on where you live. In the UK, the government proposals suggest creating low-emission vehicle zones in major cities and a ban on diesel and gas-powered car production by 2040. China is thinking about setting quotas for all automakers to sell zero or low-emission cars, starting at 8% of all deliveries. And here in the U.S., states like California are encouraging consumers to buy electric vehicles by giving tax credits, rebates and special use of carpool lanes. The technology is improving rapidly. Governments big and small are encouraging citizens. And these electric cars are fun to drive. If this seems too good to be true, it might be. Harold brought up a few negative side effects of the shift from gas to electric. So if we're basically um, generating power based on coal-powered, you know, um, power stations, you know, then the net environmental impact of an electric car isn't that wonderful. And all you're really doing is shifting emissions from the cities, you know, to the countryside or wherever the power station might be based. So, you know, there are drawbacks in in, in that regard. Um, Secondly, producing batteries, you know, isn't the the cleanest technology and some of the chemicals involved there may involve hazards and stuff that that people uh, might worry about. And then thirdly, if you're working in the current automotive industry, for example, making combustion engines, you know, uh, and particularly in Germany, where a very large part of the industry is based, at least in Europe, then clearly um, the changes you're going to have to go through uh, are very significant. And the changes that the companies are going to go through in terms of, you know, changing the technologies they work with or finding new competitors, you know, might also be quite difficult. So certainly the automotive industry is going to go through a tough time. Power stations and their infrastructure are at the heart of potential setbacks. One thing to note is that the move from coal power to solar power could have a positive impact on the electric vehicle market. But it's not just about how the electricity is created. It's also about access to it. When it comes to infrastructure, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. People might not buy electric vehicles until there are more charging stations, but there also might not be more charging stations until there are more electric vehicles on the road. To avoid that tricky situation, Harold points to the power of policy change. And if you don't believe him, Harold wants us to look back into our very recent past. You know, if the politicians are going to set these uh, heavy targets uh, and the um, car companies are going to get fined if they don't meet these targets, you know, then clearly um, they're going to be very well motivated to make sure that the infrastructure is in place uh, for them to be able uh, to meet those targets by selling more electric cars. So it is a bit chicken and egg. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, But then I remind people that 
you know, certainly people in Europe, you know, when they were kids, they didn't dream of driving diesel cars. And yet we're all driving diesel cars today because we kind of had to uh, because the politicians subsidized us to drive those cars. So, you know, the reality is you can achieve a lot with financial motivations. Uh, and that goes both as a subsidy towards electric cars, uh, but also we can make it much more expensive to drive the combustion engine cars that we drive today. What we've found is that there is not a chicken and egg. This is Simon Lonsdale from ChargePoint again. From his perspective in the infrastructure industry, there's a specific series of events that needs to take place. The infrastructure has to come first before the people can get into an electric vehicle and feel good about driving around their daily commutes, but also driving longer distances, which is which is really important to them to see that. There's um some work that I've been doing for uh, countries that have not yet got many electric vehicles. And for them, I I talk about it very simply as being the four P's, uh, plan, policy, place, and promote. And that really means that, first of all, the government needs to figure out its plan for what it's trying to solve for, whether that's reducing pollution or uh, zero emission vehicles in cities. Then they have to put in place some policy that helps to affect that. Then they have to place infrastructure. That's really the third thing. They, has to, they have to seed some infrastructure so that people can see it around them. And only then is it worth promoting electric vehicles out to either their fleets or their buses or, or their populations. Harold pointed out that for all this growth to happen, from infrastructure to mining lithium for batteries, many industries will need many investors. Investment in utilities, in battery technology and in the automotive sector at large – There are challenges and hurdles ahead, but whether it's the analyst, the infrastructure man, or the architect, all signs are pointing towards an electrifying future. The overall impact on on global society and and global relative benefits, you know, is very substantial. I actually don't see a lot of downsides. What I see are a lot of opportunities. I think the problems come when we don't get ahead of the changes. I think that what we have to do is to imagine and to dream about how we would like our urban environments to be and then leverage the technology to get there. I think the future is, is we have to write it. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. It's the season finale, so we won't be popping up in your feeds next week. But if you want to learn more about electric vehicles, you can head to morganstanley.com ideas. We also discussed solar energy and autonomous cars in previous episodes, so take a listen to those too. It's all connected. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks again for listening.